My name is Brendan, and uh, it's lovely to be with you. Please excuse my wife not uh, being here. Um, our plan is by the end of the second term, because uh, our kids are in school, we've got four kids from university through to grade four uh, to come at the end of the second term, and so we need to uh, get homes and schools and all the things that you need to do uh, whilst you relocate. Uh, also, I need to apologize for these name tags. They are my doing, and here's why, uh, is because it's always quite difficult to get to know 200 people uh, when you're the newcomer, but with masks, it's almost impossible uh, to recognize, and even when I was just doing Zoom, it's such a difference when the mask is off, so just bear with me uh, around the name tags, and uh, it really is uh, my fault, and thanks to Joe for doing that. Quentin and your team, just you guys did so well. Thank you, man. Just to be able to worship God, just really, really well done. and appreciate the work you put in. So, um, when I was uh, a little kid, I guess around about 10, 11, 12, I went to a church called Church of the Good Shepherd. It was a Presbyterian church. Um, I went to uh, a little kids' ministry there. And uh, here's one memory that I have, is we had pews, and uh, at the end of the service, we would normally sing a closing song. And um, in one of the songs, we would uh, have to join hands. So you would take the hand of that person and that person, and uh, then you would sing the song. And in this particular song, you would sing the, the song. And in the last kind of um, line, you would all lift up your hands and sing together. And um, I don't... Uh, I really remember um, that song moving me much. What I do remember is that uh, often the person next to me would have sweaty hands or feeble hands or big hands or hands that gripped you too strong. And as a kid, I would always just like look at this thing, what's really going on? But as I've grown older, that particular song has um, probably impacted me more than anything, and it's a song from Scripture. And the words of that song have stuck with me from a little kid. And that's why Timothy says, actually train up the kids because they were, the words of God make you wise for salvation. And so the words didn't have much meaning at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, but today they are significant. And the words that I'm going to read to you that will be on the screen are wonderful, are beautiful, are powerful, are able to strengthen, and able to bring joy. And if, if I'm able to preach this message well, the result should be, because the Word of God always impacts us, is you're living encouraged and strengthened and full of joy. So let's pray. Father, as we come to your Word, we recognize that your Word changes us because it represents you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and take your words that are written and spoken and impact them into the very depths of our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Here are the words from Jude chapter 1, 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy 
to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So we used to sing this song. I could sing it for you, but it's actually a very difficult song to sing, particularly the last line. You have to hit some notes, and I will just scar you, and you'll say, please, please, stop. But it's a beautiful song. Now to him who is able to keep you, able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And all that I'm going to do this morning is just work through that text. And so the first thing that Jude teaches us is that we fall because Jesus would not keep us from falling if we didn't fall. Wouldn't have to say that line. And uh, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the wicked. In other words, the Christian faith is described as a walk, and therefore, uh, uh, sometimes sin is described as falling. We say Adam and Eve fell. So to walk with God, to obey God is to walk with Him, to disobey Him is to fall. And um, Jesus says to the disciples, all of you are going to fall away. Peter says there's no chance of that happening, even if everyone else falls, not me. I'm not going to be the guy who falls. When Jesus is teaching them, he says, I'm teaching you all these things so that you don't fall. And so there's this concept of walking after God, of following him, and then there's also this concept of falling or stumbling or sinning, which means to find your pleasure and your joy outside of God. Uh, I have some slip-slops, some crocs, and I left them out in the sun, and the one bent, it bent downwards. And so what happens, because it's got this little bend, like I trip often, and you're just walking along, and the next minute you trip. And um, I don't want to give them away or throw them away because they're expensive crocs. (laughs) So the result is that I keep on falling. And you know, that's such an analogy of my life. I, I keep on doing the same thing, and I don't really want to give it up, so I keep on falling. I fall. And Jude says there's a couple of things that causes us to fall. Number one is our own nature. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all else. There's some stuff in our hearts that just keep us from falling. We do things, we say things, just unhelpful. The culture around us has a deep impact on us, and that causes us before. I have a friend, uh, um, uh, he's a young Oza man, and uh, he was living with his girlfriend. And so over many conversations, we just said, hey, listen, let's do this well before God. Let's experience the, the, the smile of God upon your face. And um, uh, he said, hey, Bren, I, I just can't marry my girlfriend because I, I can't honor the parents with Lavola, and chances are I'm never going to be able to meet that commitment. And this is the, the best that I can do. So I said, okay, and, and this is a, a, a process of a long time, not just a one-off conversation. I said, okay, let's, just, let's try. He has the word of God. It says, man, God's best plan for you is for you to get married. And, uh, and uh, let's find a way, if we can also find a way just to honor your culture as well, which is to, to talk through how we can honor uh, your girlfriend's parents. And we tried and we tried, and uh, it, 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 didn't really, it didn't really work. And so I said to him eventually, I said, 
I said, my, my friend, you're going to have to choose at this stage whether you want to honor your culture or honor God. And uh, he said, hey, Brent, I just can't do it. He said, you don't understand what it would mean for me to actually honor God would cause my family to shun me, and you don't know what that actually like. You, 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 you don't actually ever have to face that as within your own culture. And, um, and here's really what I started to learn is that every culture has areas where their culture has impacted their faith and they can't even see it. And even when they can see it, it's almost impossible for them to overcome it and follow God. Most of the times we're blind to it. We can't see. We've just grown up living like that. We don't think it's even sin. But Jude says, hey, listen, just take note that some of the reasons that you fall before God is because you just live within a culture that doesn't honor God and, um, and it impacts you. And finally, we fall because we have an enemy who wants us to fall, whose main aim is to get us to fall, and he is often successful. So the writer of the Hebrews says we need to guard our hearts. The problem is not if we fall. The problem is if we start enjoying the fall. (laughs) The problem is we start to justify Tim Keller was asked this. He said, what's the number one reason why there's no revival really within your city and within your church? He says, the number one reason why there's no revival in my church is because my young people in my church keep sleeping together outside of marriage. And so he's saying, hey, listen, it's not the outside. It's just my own people. They keep on doing what they want to do. And so there's... I've found in my life and perhaps in yours, there's a, there's a couple of responses when, uh, when I do fall. And uh, firstly is I tolerate it. Or I, I just say, if someone was in my circumstances and the pressure that I'm going through, they would understand and God would understand. And that's the one way. You just get used to it. You do it so many times that um, the Holy Spirit who spoke to you the first time and said, that's not helpful, stop speaking and it's almost like you become inoculated to the voice of God in that area. You just begin to tolerate something. And the second response is you actually try a little bit harder. Okay, I'm going to never do that again. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray. I'm going to change. And um, none of those responses really help. Here's what does help. is something happens where I recognize what I'm doing just displeases my father and I want to change and I repent. Say, hey God, I'm so sorry. I need a rescuer. So I've recognized I need a rescuer. I need help. And it's this, at this point where these, the song becomes so beautiful and the text becomes so beautiful. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. I need someone to stop me from falling. The psalmist agreed when he said, Lord, if you mark my transgressions, who could stand? God, if, if everything that I did do or didn't do was marked in your book, I, I just couldn't stand before you, Lord. I love this line. Now to him who is able. Able means the power to do something. Jude's saying God's got the power to do something. So politicians um, normally make promises before elections. And I think 
many of them, if, you're, if they're good politicians, if they're good leaders, they're wanting to see those things come into being. And they promise before their ele elections, this is what's going to happen. But when they come into office, they often find they don't have the power to execute. They don't have the support base or the ability to execute. There is a lack in power. Married couples make promises when they get married. They promise never to leave or forsake one another. But as a pastor, I've sometimes seen where one spouse just said, I don't want to do this anymore, and they leave without talking it, without working through marriage or counseling. They've just decided, that's it. It's rare, but it happens. And then the promises that they made at the beginning weren't powerful enough to sustain the marriage, to keep the marriage together. The power of that person who wants to stay in their marriage is not sufficient. There is a lack of power. It's not the case with God. God's promise does not lack power. When he says God is able, that word power is the same word that Paul uses when he says that uh, the Spirit of God raised Christ in power. It's the same power that keeps us from falling. In other words, there is great weight and ability and power behind the ability of God to keep us from falling. Perhaps you're currently going through a stage where either you or a family member's got cancer and you've been disappointed in God's not healing, you've been disappointed in God's distance with you, you feel like God's a million miles away, and you feel either like you're falling from God, or God's moved away from you. Perhaps you're addicted to porn, and you've tried and tried and tried, and you've prayed and you've cried before God, and you just keep stumbling in that area. Perhaps you've struggled with anxiety. The pressure of your life just causes anxiety and that under pressure that anxiety leads you to anger and you live with a sense of shame. Perhaps you feel you just can't make the grade with God. You can always do better. And friends, these words written over 2,000 years ago just break in and bring hope. So this is what the Word of God says when He says, now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling. The Word of God says that there's no predicament that you are walking through that God is unable to rescue from you from and keep you from falling. There's nothing. There's none of those things that I've listed can keep you from falling. You think, well, this is it. I've blown it. I can never come back. God's left me. The Word of God says He is able to keep you from falling. Peter writes the same thing when he says you've got this living hope that is imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. Peter says the exact same thing. He says God will keep you. Hebrew writer talks about there's an anchor, that we have an, uh, an anchor that reaches into heaven. And um, uh, I, I did some training course here in Gordons Bay a long time ago to you young guys. 
Um, and uh, they obviously teach you uh, uh, one of the things was an anchor. Now, I always thought an anchor, the main thing of the anchor was that actual heavy weight that you see on the side of a large ship. And they teach, you know, it's the weight of the chain that keeps the ship uh, in position. And when the storm comes, the bigger the storm, the longer, the more chain that they have to put out. And, um, and that's, that's what the scripture describes is our connection with God, that Christ is the anchor and uh, that there's a chain that is so weighty, that is imperishable, it will never rust, it will never break, it will never fade, that it's linked into your soul that will hold you forever until you meet him face to face. It's an incredible truth, friends. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling. Secondly, it says, he is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. And so, I love this part of the scripture because uh, I, I kind of imagine uh, Jesus kind of saying, Father, I want to introduce to you Brendan. And he is faultless or perfect or blameless. And uh, in my fleshly self, I want to look behind me wondering who he's speaking about because I know who I am. And that's the incredible work of God. He's able not just to keep us, but to present us before the Father as perfect. I love Psalm 103. Verses 11 to 12 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Our faith is not just a self-help program where we just try and keep getting better. Actually, Christ came to completely reset our factory settings so that we actually will be represented to him as perfect and faultless. Here are some of the ways that I've responded when I fall. Sometimes I just go, well, I don't actually need help. I can, I can get over this. I can, I can pick myself up again. I'm strong enough, and I actually take pride in my ability not to be rescued. Sometimes, as I said, I tolerate it. God understands. And probably the, the difficult, most difficult one is um, I, I don't actually believe that this word is true, that God will keep me from falling. You say, surely, Lord, if I do something again and again and again, surely, Lord, at some stage, you're going to let me go. Surely, Lord. When I look at what's in my heart, the wickedness of my heart, Lord, how can this passage be true? And there is something of a mystery of following God that, um, uh, that his promises that when he saves you, he will keep you. And if you are 
working through this and thinking through this, you should be saying, Brendan, is what you're saying is that you don't have to worry about what you do. If you fall, don't worry, God will pick you up. There's no worries there. No, that's not what I'm saying. Jude talks about, about work that we have to do. But I'm not preaching about what we have to do this morning. I'm only preaching about what God does. I get to preach one side. We get to preach other sides all the time. But sometimes we're so eager to preach both sides that we dilute the power of the one side. And this morning, we are just putting a spotlight on God's magnificent ability to keep us. I got saved when I was 14. Um, I don't remember having to repent from sinful things. I just raised my hand. It was a youth meeting. I walked downstairs with a kind of a balcony, walked downstairs, said the prayer that I needed to say, and started to serve Jesus. I'd grown up in the church. And at about 18... Um, I looked at the church that I was a part of and just thought, these guys are guys who just need God to make it through life. And um, I, I don't really want God as a crutch. I actually want to come make my own way and come to God from a position of strength. So when I went to university, I stopped going to church, I stopped serving God. And if people asked me if I was a believer, I would say I'm not serving God. And uh, so from the ages of 18 to 23, I did that. And um, uh, um, I came, I went overseas, and I, um, I came back to, to Durban, South Africa. And my best friend um, said, would you like to go back to church? And I said, no, um, I don't want to go back to church. Um, that's the last thing that I want to do. But I do, I do want to serve. And so he said, okay, um, there's this, um, uh, what is called a, in, that day, in those days, a squatter camp and and, and an area where people um, lived uh, without adequate housing and um, without any adequate service. And uh, I went there, and um, the first Sunday, uh, the leader of the, 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 the Sunday school said, would you pray? And I hadn't prayed for five years. And um, I just, I can't even remember what I said. I might have prayed, but I, I knew I, I didn't have the right to pray. And... Um, I think within about four weeks, he said, would you lead the Sunday school? <laughs> and um, so I started to, um, to say, I better get my act together. If I'm to represent Jesus before these kids and my life is a mess, I need to change. And so I, we had an early service at 7 o'clock. Yes, I know for you for Cape Tonians, that's unheard of, but this Durban, 7 till quarter past 8, and I'd go there, and I'd sit in the front row, and I'd just weep. And then I'd go teach kidsmen. And um, that's not a testimony from 30 years ago, whenever it was. I can tell you fresh testimonies. God is able to keep you from falling. How does it work? How, how does it work? How does he keep us from drifting away? There's something of a mystery, but I believe it's a powerful work of his Holy Spirit. It's his Holy Spirit that brings people across our path. It's His Holy Spirit that just speaks into our heart. It's His Holy Spirit that is the chain that keeps us anchored to Christ. And sometimes it's days and sometimes it's weeks and sometimes it's years and sometimes it's a decade. But God keeps those who He saves. And even as we're praying this morning, you guys haven't had 
a leader for a while. And um, God has kept you. It's not just an individual thing. He keeps his bride. He's kept you. How has he done that? Because it's, it's, it's not a normal work to not have a leader for a long time. It, things go wrong. And he's kept you, and he's kept you well, and he's kept you healthy, and the eldership team are healthy, and in love with God. It's a work of God. So sometimes I tolerate my sin. Sometimes I just try and ignore it. Sometimes I try to work harder and try and please God. Sometimes I do it by myself. I'm sure those are maybe some of your responses. But they all end up with the same conclusion, and that is that you want to be the Savior. You're not the Savior. There's only one Savior. And his name is Jesus. And he's a magnificent Savior. And when we start to understand that the fact when, when Jude says, now to him who is able to keep you from falling, that that word has an action. The, the, the word to keep you has an action, and the action is Christ. And Christ on the cross, who was bruised and humiliated and crushed and beaten and whipped so that we could be reconciled to God you start to treasure the cross more than ever before. Because it's not just the case, oh God, thank you so much, you keep me, I'm so glad, this is brilliant, I'm, I'm, I'm your son, I'm your boy. No, the keeping had a cost. And so this is the maturing of our Christian faith, is that the cross of Christ no longer becomes something that we just know, yeah, I understand that Jesus died for me, but it becomes the most beautiful aspect of your life because you recognize that without the cross of Christ, you would fall forever. And the fact that God has kept you was because of the sacrifice of his son. And so Christ becomes glorious and beautiful and wonderful. And the response of worship is the only response when you go, Lord, I know who I am. I know that the only reason why I'm standing here today in Common Ground Durbanville is because you have kept me over and over and over and over and over again. We see the beauty of the Holy Spirit. You know when it says that the Holy Spirit is deposited within us as a guarantee of our inheritance? That's just another way of God saying he's going to keep you. But it's not just a formula. Okay, there's the Holy Spirit, done deal, you, you kept. No, the Holy Spirit works within you and he works within others. My friend coming alongside me, opening up a door to teach, to teach uh, um, kids ministry is, um, is the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to get this guy back. I'm going to get him back. I'm just going to reel him in. Little bit by little bit. So how can you tell whether these words have penetrated your heart? There is an incredible sense of wonder and amazement that you are a follower of Christ. You, you just, oh Lord, this, this was not about me. There's an incredible sense of wonder at, at Christ. Christ. 
So firstly, the word of God says, he is able to keep us from falling. Secondly, the word of God says that uh, he's able to present us as faultless before the presence of the Father. And thirdly, it says, with exceeding joy. And so, uh, I have that, you know, with exceeding joy, not just joy, exceeding joy. Um, and so, uh, there's this moment of God, Jesus introducing you and saying, I would like to introduce, and you put your name there, but there's just great joy, joy like you've never known before as he introduces you perfect before the Father. <laughs> what a day that will be. Where does the joy come from? <laughs> I'm sure you're not going to go, I did this, I did this, I stuck to the end, I'm the man. You're not going to do a little dance of victory. Where does, where does the exceeding joy come from? The exceeding joy comes from the ability of God to do that which no man can do, which is to save a man or save a woman, not just once, but for the entirety of their life, and to ensure that that final moment happens. That's the glory of God. That's why Jude just kind of, kind of says, now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the presence of the king with exceeding joy. To the only wise Savior, our God, be dominion and authority and power and majesty because he can't believe it either. And so, friends, the joy is not about your ability or my ability. Yeah, we've got a role to play. We've got disciplines to do. We've got hard work to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, 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 our, our part but it's like 99,999999 to infinity, God's part, and a very small part, our part. And we continue to just focus about our part. And the Word of God says, you know, yeah, sure, do your bit, but make your major focus God's part. Because it produces courage, and it produces faith, and it produces joy, and it produces security. The enemy wants to look at you to look at yourself and for you to live in that shame and that sense of, of you can't make it, you're always failing, all those type of things. And, God says, actually look to him. Look at his ability. This verse is not about us. It's about God. He rescues, he holds, he presents us faultless for his great joy. This is what the word of God teaches us. And it's actually quite hard to believe. He says, that you're a display of his glory. Not only when you get to heaven, but now. You're a display of his glory. Just like a father radiates with joy for a newborn child, hi, look what I created. That's what God does with us. Look what I'm doing. And holding Brendan, or whatever your name is, keeping on the journey. Look how wonderful that is. You and I, friends, are a display of his grace. We're uh, trophies of his grace, <laughs> not because of us, but because of him. I'd love the privilege, Craig, if that's okay, just to pray. Would it be possible to just play? 
not for any form of manipulation, but I think it's lovely to have music as we pray. And I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm also going to pray for all of you who are watching online. Father, we find it easy to believe that we are sinners, but we find it hard to believe of your incredible work that you do to keep us and to present us faultless. And so, Lord, I pray that faith would rise to believe your word over our thoughts, over our doubts, over our insecurities, over our shame. And I pray for all of us, including me, who easily fall into shame and want to stay there, instead of learning to access your unbelievable grace and allowing that to empower change. And so, Father, I pray for all of us, whether here in this audience or whether listening online, that there would come a transformation where our, our change, the ability to overcome the things that have held us back, the things that we trip up over and over again, would not come through our own ability, but through confidence that you will keep us and that you will present us as faultless. And because we know how the story ends, you would increase courage and confidence to change in your grace for your glory. I pray, Lord, that uh, there would come in our hearts just a real sense of the magnitude of love that you have for us displayed through Christ, not just through words, but through your presence. And so, Lord, we want to say thank you for your words. We acknowledge it's able to transform. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.